Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about the value of postpartum stories. For as much as birth stories get shared far and wide, things seem to go radio silent when it comes to the postpartum period. It can be hard to determine when these stories begin and when they end, and they also tend to be much messier to recount. However, there is much value to be found in sharing and hearing these stories. Haya Cass Valle tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Sunbasket, delivering pre-measured organic and sustainable ingredients right to your door so you can whip up healthy and delicious recipes in about 30 minutes. Go to sunbasket.com slash birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Reduce your stress, reduce your complications, and improve your connection to your baby and partner. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. If what you hear is helpful, then please do take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or on Google or even just tell your friends about it because it really does help. Thank you so much. I hope you've had a wonderful start to this new year and that you are able to create some space to rest and recoup from the busy holiday season, as well as have some intentionality in your actions as you return to a more consistent life rhythm. One of my resolutions for this year is to take deep breaths more often. Let's do it. Ah, <laughs> I know it's super simple, but don't laugh. Okay, you can laugh a little, but I assure you that this simplicity is going to help me actually keep that resolution instead of being disappointed because it's all about setting realistic expectations. So what super simple and attainable change will you make in this new year? Whatever it is, I am rooting for you. Before we get to the show, I want to remind you that my Boxing Day until Dia de Reyes sale, 50% off sale, ends this Saturday, January 6th. So if you meant to get my Birth Partners Ultimate Labor Support Toolkit or my Thrive with Your Newborn Postpartum Preparation Classes, then, you know, with the craziness of the holidays, you forgot, you still have time, but only until Saturday the 6th. Go, so go to birthful.com and use the code HAPPY2018. All one word, no spaces, H-A-P-P-Y-2018, so happy 2018 on checkout um, to get that 50% off. And I am I am going to be done with sales until at least May. So if you were thinking about it on the fence, go for it. Don't miss out. All right. My guest today is Haya Casvalier, who is both a doula and a writer. And through her new book entitled Second Labor, she's found a way to unite these two hats, if you will. Welcome, Haya. I am so happy to have you here today. I'm glad to be on your show. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, we were we were talking a little bit before we started um, recording that we're it's an exciting time for postpartum because things seem to be changing. Right. Yeah. You, Word I, is getting out. 
word is getting out that it's a really important time. Um, and you particularly wrote a book called Second Labor, Mothers Share Post-Birth Stories on what happens after you have a baby. And I think my biggest curiosity is like, I, I know the importance of these stories, but what motivated you to write this book? Right. So what motivated me uh, was, first of all, my own experiences and my experiences as a doula and a friend to other mothers. Um, after we had our fourth child, I was hesitant and, in fact, just distraught with what I know, knew was going to be the upcoming few weeks of, of, of distress and, and, and hardship. Um, and I just hated it. I wanted to get through those first three weeks, you know, the first six weeks even, just to skip over them. And I said, listen, like, I know I've got some stories here. Why don't we have stories that women can just sit around and read and feel more validated and feel not alone uh, to help get through this period? And I said, like, we ask each other, what was your birth story? You know, how was your birth? which is very important and, and needs to be discussed. And at the same time, so much is going on for up to that year or two afterward, and there's no forum for stories. So I said, I I'm going to do this, you know. And after that baby was a year old, I put out the call for submissions and started to get stories in. And I was astounded at what I received back without even necessarily knowing these people. And I, I said, there's something here, you know, there's really something going on. And I just pursued it. And we finally have a book. Yeah. And I've been obviously reading it. And it's super. It. So I do have a lot of understanding of the postpartum period because I teach about that. And it's something that like I feel I'm seeped in, in it, right, that I live and breathe and know the challenges being a doula as well. Like that is not foreign territory to me. And mm -hmm reading the book was so beautiful and that it does represent all the different options because it's so varied the postpartum mm -hmm. period and I think maybe that's why it's kind of hard to tell those stories because mm -hmm. you know birth is very tidy and neat in, in not really but you know in the <laughs> sense in terms of stories that it has a kind of a clear start and culminating with that fabulous and very you know specific moment that we even put a time to it's so important that we're like what time was the baby born right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas postpartum the how how do you determine where to start and where to end the telling of that story that is precisely it postpartum you know it doesn't have that necessarily that build up crescendo and conclusion of, of a story which as you say is, is a specific time frame with a birth the birth eventually does end and you know when um postpartum doesn't have that those parameters however as you can see from the book once you ask questions people want to tell their story and they define those parameters but they're willing to tell their story usually after there is a conclusion which is often a healing end and once they're ready, they'll, they want to share it, you know, nobody's asked them. And a lot of people said to me, this was cathartic and thank you for the opportunity. And nobody ever asked me or, or I never talked about this before. And, and it helped them, you know. And that is great to hear because, yeah, it can, instead of something that we can measure in hours, we're talking something we measure in months or even years. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. But realizing that it does take that time to be able to sort of be out 
you know, get out of that forest. You can't see the forest for the trees. Get out of it. Have yes. some distance. Um, yeah, in order to be able to tell that story. Now, one of the things I find, and I don't, I'd love to hear your, your opinion on this, is, you know, postpartum is difficult. It is hard. And one of the things that I think it has started to happen in our culture is we were used to having people share their horror birth stories. And that's all you heard. And that's, yeah. that was the big loud voice that we heard. And then over the past few years, there's been a change where we are hearing a lot more of great stories and good stories and just normal birth stories, not just the extreme. Yes. Um, is that a possibility with postpartum given that it intrinsically is such a difficult period anyways? God willing, yes. This is part of the goal of the book is to garner more support and to, to show people this is, this is the reality. We really need a lot of help. And um, like this woman that, that you interviewed recently who wrote a book about an actual protocol before while you're pregnant to plan for your postpartum period, this is a brilliant idea. And as much as, you know, if we give childbirth education classes or we take them, as much as people do talk about the postpartum period, it, it remains very, very theoretical because one is focused on the birth. You know, and then it's a shock afterward. Even if it's not your first child, it's still like, oh, right, you know, I have to deal with all this. So to start to really integrate in our culture a plan before, and the plan is not just for the woman, it's a, it's a community. And um, to sort of set up those, those uh, frameworks where people can admit that they need the help and set it up beforehand and I'm glad we have postpartum doulas and we have lactation consultants and we have these people in place. Um, but it's like a mad rush, you know, like 24 hours after the birth to get it all together and to to admit that we need that help beforehand. Um, and, and, and to have people in your life know that you're going to need the help and have them already set up, like have sign-up sheets beforehand. And these stories speak to that all of them speak to the need for support and what happens when you don't have it and, and how much better it was when you did have it. So that's the underlying message of the book is, is to increase the, the ground, you know, on the ground need for support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And I love it because and then so the person you mentioned was uh, Michelle. I did the podcast with Michelle Peterson, who has the seven sisters for seven days uh, postpartum planning. Yes. materials and I'll link that episode also in the show notes but I think what you, the perspective that your book brings that the other one like from the side of us as being doulas and childbirth educators and post now postpartum educators we know the importance of the the need for planning like you mentioned mm -hmm. that once the baby shows up it's a little too late because <laughs> you don't have time for much like you can barely shower, much less figure out how to structure your days. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd love everybody to take a postpartum preparation course of some kind and really focus on or, or, or plan it out somehow. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of the voices we've had up to now is that the professional saying you need this course. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate your book that it's moms saying, hey, 
this is mm-hmm. what I went through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. p- yeah, like pay it's attention. <laughs> I know just reading these stories can help people feel like, wow, it's not just me. And even if they don't relate to the details, they'll relate to the idea. And um, it, I have to tell you something that surprised me, very much surprised me, was that fathers, I've had three fathers come up to me and profusely thank me for writing this book. And these are people who are writers themselves, or they like are a financial guy who would never pick up this book. Um, they really need this book, even so, like as much as mothers do. They didn't know, like really, you know, they've had their wives give birth and they know it's hard, but to hear the background stories and have somebody really sit down and write it out really helped them get into the mindset as well. So it's this storytelling, it's it's a whole field, right? Um, by storytelling, we we learn better by hearing stories rather than hearing facts. We learn better by hearing the details and the emotions rather than the statistics. So this is a, a personal way of connecting to the need. Yeah, and I hadn't thought of that, of how great of a book it is for dads or, or partners because they're even a little bit more disconnected or lagging behind in that connection with the baby. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you usually get the pregnant person saying, I can feel baby, and then the partner saying, I don't feel yet a parent, right? And yeah. and birth happens, and they're like, whoa, I'm not ready for it. Like, they're just lagging a little bit behind. So mm-hmm. being able to read this and, and start feeling thi- feeling it a little bit more in their bodies, I think mm-hmm. is a huge, yeah, second, like, great benefit of it. So mm-hmm. when you were writing the book, because postpartum is so varied and multifaceted and time-wise and everything all over the place, how did you come together? Did you have specific questions that you asked everybody to answer? Right. What, wh- how did that, what were those questions? Exactly. Excellent question to ask about the questions. I did have some guideline questions, which were open, sort of like, what was it like on day four? When, what was, um, when did things get better? What was stressful for you? What was, what was easy for you? Those kinds of open-ended questions um, gave people a guideline. There were some specific stories like an adoption or single motherhood by choice. So for them, I asked a bit more specifics. But um, overall, it was like when you want, you know, when you you know, because you interview, when you ask an you know an open question with a bit of a guideline, then that can that leads people to say what they want to say, and um, that's how I went about it. Basically, people applied. You know, they said yes, I'd like to share my story, and I sent them these guiding questions, and if that spoke to them, then they submitted their story. And I, I was actually shocked, like you said, it's so varied. I thought that generally speaking, you know, in the modern Western world, postpartum was kind of similar and the people I know, similar stuff, you know, these stories were so different and, and without even asking necessarily for like the home birth or the post cesarean or whatever, they, they were just very different. And it, it was a lesson for me to know that we, there's no pat answer, you know, everybody needs support and they all have their own specific life uh, details that, that are different in their ways that they interact with stress or, or shock or happiness even. And uh, it's a metaphor for life, you know, like this is a very extreme, uh, you know, few months um, and people generally move on or, 
or they stay with this and, it, and it's something that they don't have in their lives right now, but they needed to talk about it. And even if it was four years later, talking about it helped them way back, you know, years afterward, even though they're not living that life right now, or right then. So the guiding questions help people uh, decide what they wanted to write about. Mm. And we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want you to share with me some of those things that stood out. Like, let's get a little bit into the stories. We'll be right back. All right. I am excited to tell you about Sunbasket as a way to help you keep your resolutions towards healthier eating. Sunbasket can even help make your postpartum period easier and more delicious. And today, you can get $35 off your first order when you go to sunbasket.com slash birthful. When you have healthy meals regularly delivered to your door with Sunbasket, it is so easy to stay on track. And when I mean healthy, I'm talking ingredients like organic produce, responsibly raised meats, sustainable sourced fish, organic pasture-raised eggs, and organic non-GMO tofu. Oh, and house-made sauces you can't find anywhere else. One of my favorite things about Sunbasket is that it's so flexible and customizable to fit your lifestyle. Sunbasket lets you mix and match from different menu options like paleo, gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, and more. You can cancel anytime, skip anytime, and choose any meal plan you want. Not to mention you get tons of variety with 18 recipes to choose from each week, including some family-friendly recipes. And each delicious, easy recipe is ready in about 30 minutes. That is really hard to beat. They also have gift cards, which are a perfect thing to put into your registry so you can indulge in delicious, healthy, and nutritious meals postpartum, whether you're cooking it yourself or others come by to do it for you. Plus, that's also a great way to minimize the possible onslaught of mystery frozen casseroles during those first few weeks with your newborn. Give it a try. Go to sunbasket.com birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash birthful for $35 off. S-U-N-B-A-S-K-E-T dot com slash birthful. And we are back talking about postpartum stories with Haya <laughs> Valier. You've got like, each name has a different language pronunciation. <laughs> I love it. It's, so multi- it's as multicultural as you are. Um <laughs> So about her book, Second Labor, and the importance of sharing postpartum stories. So what were some of those things that stood out for you? What that stuck in your memory from these stories? The first one that sticks in my memory is a woman who had a VBAC trial. She had a first baby by a cesarean, emergency cesarean. I'm sorry, that's, she had, no, she had a planned cesarean because the baby was breached, and the second one was an emergency cesarean. Um, and she, four years later, wrote her story. So at the end of it, she said, you know, it's really hard to share these things, even with people that you're close with, and that she was really glad she got to share her story. And it still makes me cry. Um and reading that like was a validation for me in, in asking for the stories, even though hers wasn't the first to come in. It was uh, it just struck me that it was so many years since she had experienced the second birth, and she had healed from it overall. She would show her scar to her two daughters, and she would talk about how they were born to them, and they were young. They were like, 
you know, four and seven at the time of writing the story. So, um, and still, it was still hard for her, you know, and, and it, nobody had asked her to share her story. So I, I want to, you know, set a trend where we do ask that. We ask, how's your birth? And then at six months, we say, tell me about your postpartum period, you know. Um, what was it really like? And uh, to check in. So there was that. And there was um, this story about a woman who, they had two kids. They had two boys who were like, I think, nine and 11. And they had contemplated the third child for many years. And they had, you know, like gone back and forth as to whether or not they really wanted a third child. And then they were trying and it wasn't happening. And so she was at the brink of saying, like, my kids are getting too old. I'm almost 40. And I don't really want there to be such a huge gap between them and another child. And anyway, I'm older. Like, I need to get on birth control again. And um, she found out she was pregnant. So she was, even though they had kind of wanted it, it was still a shock. And she talks about how this baby that eventually, you know, she had the baby and thankfully she was healthy and it was a girl after two boys. And she's like, she she just never knew, like, whether she should have this child. And she's like, I'm so glad that I did, you know. And after she had that child, she said she felt complete. She wasn't going to do this birth thing ever again. And um, she felt like it was meant to be. And she was, this baby was like this angel baby also. Like you could have that story and still have a baby who's colicky for months, right? Mm -hmm. No, it was like she calls it the baby that you would have ordered from a catalog. <laughs> um, and just such a moving story, you know? And um, that was, that stood out for me. And I think also the adoption story really stood out because she talks about how like we who are pregnant, like we know approximately when we're going to have the baby within a month, you know, hopefully if it's falls healthy, you know, a certain week range. And um, she knew that she was supposed to get a baby, but she never knew when to expect it. And her own boss became pregnant around the time that they had started the adoption procedures. And she saw her belly grow and she knew conversely she was expecting, but had nothing to show for it. And it just made me appreciate like, wow, you know, and like once this baby came to them, he's their baby, he's their child immediately. And it, it had nothing to do with being pregnant. And um, she set up this whole SNS system, the supplementary, supplementary nursing system, whereby for people who don't know who are listening, like you can basically pretend to nurse. The, the formula goes through this, this tube and the baby still nurses like suckles on your breast. And it's like she could feel that that physical chemical bond even without the milk. And um, it was like it, it just bypassed pregnancy for her and she was an immediate mother and it really struck me. Mm. And there are beautiful stories like that, very varied. And you can really tell that's the thing with postpartum. It's so intimate. It's mm -hmm. so, it cracks you right open, right? If birth does the first part, like pushes you off a cliff almost, like <laughs> the postpartum is the fall and, and then you end up flying at the end. You don't fall and splatter, hopefully. Um, weird analogy, but but it is that, that <laughs> just really cracks you open and you're faced with yourself and you really, whether you like it or not, you mm. have to like come to come to terms with 
who you are, what this baby is making you, how it, the process, how it's changing you. It's so transformational. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's a very good word to use. And, and it, if I might, uh, it brings to mind another one of the stories that, I mean, they all struck me. And that's why they're all in the book. But there was one woman, she like was a corporate ladder climber and traveled all over, like, as she says, hiring people and firing them too. And um, she was in, in uh, human resources. And, you know, then she's got this baby. And like, here she is like pushing a stroller bored out of her mind and really didn't know what to do. And what she would do is she would just walk. It was the summertime it, and she would just walk and walk and walk because that's how her baby stayed asleep. And it's like this complete contrast of, you know, I, I envisioned her like all dressed up in her, you know, neatly pressed suits walking as one does with, with like the, 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 um, what do you call sneakers and, and then, you know, changing into your heels. Like I envisioned her walking to work that way. And then here she is in her sneakers, pushing the stroller and, and just bored. Um, like eventually, obviously she, you know, her baby grew up and she had another few children and she is, she manages work and children very well. Um, but that contrast, she's a very good writer also. It was very telling, and it happens all the time. It's like, here I am, this very successful person, and now what? You know, this, I'm glad I have a baby, but I'm I'm not stimulated, you know, I'm bored. Mm. And it's an important message that people do get through it, you know. It's like, she said she saved those records about what to, she, she whatever, how she turned herself around, what she did with that postpartum period, she saved those records. And she already had another ch- couple children um, when she wrote the story. So she saved those records, like to refer back and to, to, to remember what it's like and to know how you can get through it and to remind herself what, what it was going to be like if she had another child. So, yeah. Yeah. And it. somebody recently, a friend um, who is a homeschooling mom, is mm-hmm. one of her ch- children is now going to start going to school. And mm-hmm. she was mentioning how for her she she's so aware self-aware that she's like i know that a lot of my identity is encompassed encompassed in being a homeschooling mom mm. and now that i have one going to school like what does that how what do i do with that what does that right. do to me and mm. i think just even having that kind of awareness when i had my my child i was a little bit like this mom that you just just described where my identity and where I what I defined as success and mm-hmm. and you know worth what had nothing to do with what my life turned into mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and I was bored out of my mind but also felt completely incompetent <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of the times so mm-hmm. how to reconcile those things you know mm-hmm. just taking a step back and even thinking about what defines your identity mm-hmm. wow that's such a powerful mm-hmm. thing to do yes exactly like it, it does strike mothers immediately like oh who am i now now i'm a mother what does that mean you know and especially in those first few months where it is completely baby encompassing which isn't like that you know a year later three years later or certainly many years later but it's easier to strike a balance when the baby's not new uh, but I think if there's one, one facet 
of postpartum help that everybody can arrange, it's meals. Mm. You know? And uh, I happen to be a part of a community where this is done. You know, people have their sign-up sheets and people bring you meals for two or three weeks straight. And they bring you one meal that day, which is enough for leftovers. Uh, they usually bring you dinner or lunch, whatever you request. And this is part of, I, I believe it pre- it helps prevent postpartum depression because not only do you not have to worry about feeding your kids or your, even just yourself, you don't have that on your, <laughs> on your head. Um, it also gives you the contact with people from the community and people will ask you how you're doing and it, it like keeps people involved at least minimally socially even if they say they don't want to see anybody they know that that person cared and did something for them um and it keeps the connection so that that's something that everybody can implement um i know you didn't ask that question it just i i was thinking about it with all these stories like people love getting meals and um uh, yeah like well (laughs) we should do it all the time right but we won't like you know, we don't. We do it for an occasion, like which a new baby is such an occasion, right? And and cooking a meal, or or even just it doesn't have to be cooking a meal. It can be just delivering a meal, whatever it is. Like providing right. that. There's something in giving and receiving food that has so much comfort, even mm-hmm. if it's. I I had the uh, I had a dad come on the show and sh- and share his birth story, and and he also shared a bit of his postpartum story, and he said. Mm-hmm. One friend, and this blew my mind, one friend who doesn't live close to us, you know, today with the internet and all these te- this technology that we have, they, from their different state, ordered a pizza and had it delivered to our door. <laughs> it couldn't get simpler than that, right? <laughs> exactly. They didn't even exactly. talk. It was the surprise pizza <laughs> that showed <Wow>. up. <laughs> I know. It's like the best gift, you know, and, 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 and it's not something that you have to, like, find a place for, you know. It's, it's consumed, and the love is felt, and, and you, you don't have to worry about it that night, you know. It's like dinner is made. Okay, great, you know. And um, I- yeah, because it nourishes not only your your you know your stomach, your body, but it does. That's one thing that that I'm sure you saw that through your stories, um, talking to to these moms, that you need your soul to be nourished as well. You need yeah. that the feeling of support and help, whatever that yes. means. Exactly, you really do. Yeah, um, I you know I've this was a four year project, and. Anytime people ask me about it, like you are right now, it's, I'm still struck by these stories. It doesn't get old for me. And I've, you know, I was involved in the editing and the proofreading and and many, 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 many times. And I know these stories over and over again. And they still, they're very powerful. Um, Actually, I don't know if I told you, we took nine of them and we had them performed as monologues, like kind of like the vagina monologues. Uh, we had nine local actresses act out each of these stories. Uh, this was just, uh, six weeks ago. And um, taking this book and making it live was also a really powerful way of, of, of conveying the stories. And uh, people need to hear it. And when they hear it, they feel so much better. They feel so validated. Mm. And um, I, I'm I'm on another another project to, to come out of this book is that 
I'd like those monologues performed all over the world. Yeah. I was thinking, um, are you familiar with the bold on Labor Day? Absolutely. That was partly my inspiration. Yes. yes absolutely. Yeah. So for those listening who don't know what that is, it is that was Karen Brody who did a similar, she does now completely different things. Well, she's now on, on this on a quest to help us all rest more. <laughs> um, but with it, it was birth stories, right? It was pregnant women yeah. and, and monologues of birth stories. And they were performed all over the world on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's bold because it's birth on Labor Day. Uh, but I, as you were speaking, I was thinking, this is the perfect venue for you to do similar to that. Yeah. Are you? Yes. So you're planning on doing it? That's the hope. We're going to hopefully have another couple performances where we iron out some kinks and add like even some more comic relief in this whole uh, <laughs> whole scene. Um, and then I plan to branch it out because I have some connections in, in different cities around the world. So that is the hope. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'd, you know, we'll let, I'll love to bring it to Rochester, too. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's plenty of the people that would like to put that on here. <laughs> Okay, great. Good to know. Yeah, we'll connect. Um, We're going to take another quick break. And afterwards, I want to, the book is broken down into different sections. And I want to just highlight those sections for a bit. We'll be right back. Resetting your nervous system and mindfully bringing yourself back to calm a few times throughout your day can have a positive impact during your life. And it also helps you get a better night's sleep. Developing a meditation practice can be a super simple and incredibly beneficial way to shift your lifestyle habits. But figuring out where to start can be a little daunting. Let Expectful help with that. The Expectful app is one of my favorite resources to help pregnant and new moms find their calm. I really like that it's designed to fulfill your pregnant or new parent needs by focusing on whatever you want help with at any particular moment. Whether it's better sleep, connection with baby and partner, embracing your identity, lessening stress, dealing with uncertainty, Expectful makes it super easy. If you have five minutes, you have time to meditate. Go to expectful.com slash birthful to sign up for their free two-week trial and check it out yourself. Don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. And we're back talking about the book Second Labor and the importance of sharing births. Uh, births see, it's automatic. It goes to birth it stories. Is. Muscle memory. <laughs> it's postpartum stories. Um, so the first section of the book, you kind of divided the stories or classified the stories uh, into by category. And the first one is first baby. Why didn't anyone warn me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haya, is there a way to warn people? Like, what can, what can we do to make them? Because are they even ready to hear it? Yes, yes. I, I have had these questions from the beginning. I'm going to take a moment to think about the answer on this one. Okay. Can we be warned? Can they be warned? Um, I think the answer is yes, actually. And I think it involves uh, educating in a different way. Um, I am a doula, and I have a plan to start running childbirth education classes, and I thought to do it flipped, where we actually start with a baby. Mm. And we really talk about what it's like with a baby. And as much as uncomfortable as that might be, and as much as they might not want to talk about that, let's start there. I like that idea. Because that is the end goal. 
right. you know, th- I mean, and the the and that's the not the end goal, but it's the end of the birth and the beginning of everything else of the rest of your life. Like it's so, mm-hmm. and we do, yeah. I'm gonna keep an eye open for mm-hmm. your. For, to check in with you, see how that's going. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but I think also just the fact that we are sharing more and talking more about this postpartum period, and people are starting to hear about it more. And the, regardless of how different these stories are, and experiences can be, the underlying one thing that is definitely an absolute truth, and you hear it over and over again is you're going to need help. Mm-hmm. And I think if people, wherever they come into contact with postpartum information, they hear the one thing that can tie everything together is you're going to need help. <laughs> I, I think they, they might, that you know, that red flags are going to go up. It's like, wait, whoa, even though I hate asking for help and I am superwoman and don't need help, mm-hmm. I guess I might need help. Absolutely. Also, I think this this book can be helpful for people who haven't had babies yet. And some, like there's a woman I know, she's she's not even near wanting to have a baby yet. She doesn't have a partner, any of that. And she read the whole book. Um, and she has a sister who just had a baby. And she said, you know, because I read your book, I was able to sit with my sister, it's her second child, and just listen. You know, the day after she had a baby, I just listened. And I knew I didn't have to offer anything. I knew she just wanted to tell her story. And um, it's the second day, right? She needs to talk. And I, um, so can we be warned? Yes, This knowing the stories before you even get into that stage of life, you can know that this is what is out there. So telling the stories can help people prepare. Mm. Um, likewise, she... Uh, has knew somebody else who was complaining uh, that she was depressed. It's the baby's nine months old, and she has no history of depression, and she didn't really understand what was going on, and it didn't sound like her. So because this woman read the book, she knew to ask, are you on any kind of hormonal birth control? And she's like, you know what? I did just start this certain kind. And she's like that's when I started to feel like this. And this is not to say that hormonal birth control causes postpartum depression. There is an association that people are not aware of. And sometimes just tweaking that medication or getting off of it altogether is all that's going on. And people don't need a whole like therapy thing. So that is a scenario that occurs. And because of this book, because of hearing the story, she knew that this could be a possibility. So, we can educate through stories. That's how we can be so-called warned, I guess. Mm. Um, share the stories and don't hesitate to share them with people who haven't had a baby yet um, because they might learn, you know. And what a beautiful gift that, you know, it's got to be a great feeling of that ripple effect of you created this book for the specific set of reasons, but then it rippled through to this woman's life and then her friend and her sister and it's just going to keep extending. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. It is. It's a, it's a big pleasure and honor. No, oh, thank you for doing it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, another question I had for you in terms of stories. We do learn to, through stories. Stories are super important. Mm-hmm. However, 
telling a story, any story, requires a bit of vulnerability in our part mm-hmm. because we're sharing something, especially if it's if not it's not writing, you know, like the Little Red Riding Hood that I'm telling, but it's like a biographical story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves that sort of level of vulnerability. And then a postpartum story or a birth story or something that's really, it, it's, they're very intimate. So you're, mm-hmm. it's even more, I dare to say, vulnerable what mm-hmm. you're sharing. Mm-hmm. Do you have to pay attention and be discerning of who you're telling your story to or how you tell your story or you know, to whom? Yeah, people need to feel safe. And I think I chose the form of writing. It wasn't interviews. Uh, people wrote and they could choose to stay anonymous. Uh, interestingly, all of, almost all of them were willing to give their last names. Some of them weren't, so I decided to just use the first letter of last names for everybody, um, and that that also created a you know a safe space, as we say. Um, yes, people need to feel safe. I think that if somebody wants to share their story and they're asked, "Can you please tell me what it was like?" Then that's already safe. You know, that person that asking that's asking wants to hear. Um, and if they want to write it, that's that's sometimes a safer way to, to tell the story. Um, so it, it does need to be in, in, a, in a safe environment, for sure. Mm. Because part of this, reading it and, and having that conversation reminded me a little bit of, and I'll link it on the show notes, of, a, of an episode I did with Pam England on Healing Your Birth Story. And one mm-hmm. of the things she did say is, you know, be mindful who's listening to your story and how much... Because if you're laying yourself open to somebody who's just going to not listen, but judge or suggest or color, or then it might not be, it might end up hurting more than helping you, yourself. Absolutely. For sure. Um, I think that's generally true of, of any time that people want to share. Like they want to know that their vulnerability is going to be met by support and understanding and, and no judgment. And, um, so that's partly why I chose the form of writing because I knew people could write, you know, without speaking. It's sometimes stinted, you know, stunted. Sorry. Um, and interviews are are welcome for their form. At the same time, whoever's interviewing does an interpretation, and I didn't want to interpret their story. Whatever they wrote is what they wrote. There was, you know, minor edits to to sort of make things more clear, but. And if I had questions, I went back to them. But it was mostly via writing. Even the questions, I would ask them via writing. So so it, it can be a safer space. Some people prefer to speak, so they're not going to write. They don't feel like they can write. And that's fine. We can have that form as well. Mm-hmm. And Or some people like to draw, and you can just, you know, experience show your experience through art um, right. is also sure. valid. Like whatever fits you, but know that there is some healing and there is some help in processing that occurs when you share that story um, yes. because you introspect and there's really like that, that allows you to integrate the experience through the observation, which I think is so important. Um, and yeah, you're right. When you're interviewing, also, usually you don't have all the time in the world like you do when you're writing. Right. So you have to come up with an answer right then. And then you, later you might go like, ah, 
I should have said this, or I really mm. meant this, or now that's mm. evolved, right? Right. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? So I am very excited to see where this goes and how it keeps growing and spreading. Um, definitely. What? Before we finish, what? do you want to close on or is there something that you wanted to make sure we said that we haven't gotten to? Well, I would close with let's, let's, you know, all birth workers, like let's encourage this form of sharing the postpartum story. Um, let's, let's make it part of our, you know, postpartum visits. It doesn't have to be at the three week visit. It can be like, you know, I, I, uh, it's six months or, or four months or a year or even two years. And we can start to create the forms in different ways. And um, with, with this book as an example of, of people healing through sharing. Um, it, and, you know, sometimes years later, people realize I needed to speak about that, you know, and I didn't. And... It stays with it stays in us, you know. Like not talking about your birth, so not talking about your postpartum is is also very important. And um, it's also important for your kids, you know. They like to know how, what was I like as a baby, what was it like, and we tend to forget because it's so fast and so much going on and so little sleep. And um, when we share a story, we have something written down that we can we can also uh, pass forward to our children in whatever way we want. Mm. That is a beautiful legacy to have, have, you know, the story written down. And we're always encouraging people to do that with birth stories. But, yeah, postpartum stories can be like a little chapter book, <laughs> a little longer. Um, and while you were talking, like, one of the things that I think would be beautiful, and I'm going to try to see about setting it up and hear my community. Um, so doulas listening out there, see about doing it in your community or however, however it resonated for you is so you know have you been to any red tent events I heard about them I have not been to any myself but yeah you tell me yeah so red tent event is based a little bit on the the historical practice but also there was a book called the red tent and it's basically yeah. where women were sent or, or went to whenever they had their period after they had a baby you know just like women away <laughs> but right. it was a lovely time of just hanging around together sitting with your sisters friends cousins whatever mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. sharing stories mm-hmm. um so the practice of red tent events is where women come together and share their birth stories whenever mm-hmm. that happens but mm-hmm. i think there's really room for a for a postpartum tent event mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. yeah yeah once a month I'm, I'm my my wheels are turning here mm. yes this this sounds like a very good way to channel it um yeah so we need a name uh, i i commit to brainstorming on a name and i'd be happy to hear your brainstorms too and something that's something (laughs) we'll come up with something it can have different names yeah (laughs) it's all good yeah that's 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 ideal hi yeah if people want to connect with you and know more about what you're doing keep in touch with the progress of the the performances or just get the book how can they do that well happily first of all um i have a website easierbirth.com and my email is chayavalier at gmail.com, C-H-A-Y-A-V-A-L-I-E-R. And I'm happy to be in touch. 
Can you spell your name again for Absolutely. slower for the listeners? <laughs> C-H-A-Y-A-V-A-L-I-E-R. Chayavalier at gmail.com. And it was easierbirth.com. That's right. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for being here today and for writing this wonderful book. Thank you very much, Adriana. Mighty ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Sunbasket and Expectful. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors and get free goodies while you're at it. Go to sunbasket.com slash birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. And go to expectful.com slash birthful to start your free two-week trial. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>